0: Also, we are continuing in today's Mishnah Yomi. We are continuing with Perek Gimel, Mishnah Base through Gimel. Chapter 3, Mishnah is 2 through 3. So Perek Mishnah Base says as follows. One could only sell a shul. Remember, again, in the last Mishnah, we learned about the halachos concerning selling of a shul. But here, the Mishnah was dealing with what you could do with the proceeds from the sale of a shul. Here, the Mishnah says something a little bit different. <laughs> Rabbi Meir is an interesting halacha. Meir says that in general, when you sell a shul, a shul could only be sold with a tenai, with a condition that if at any point in time the seller wants to repurchase it, that he has that ability. He has that ability. Now, Rabbi Meir's idea is that it should never look like chas v'shalom, a person, or in this case, again, it's even a tzibur, a community, is willing to so easily part with the shul, just willing to sell it away. This way, if you sell it with the condition that at any point in time you can resell it, or oh, excuse me, repurchase it, It indicates that the sale is taking place because of some type of duress, some type of extenuating circumstances, and not because of a lack of regard or a lack of covet for the shul itself. The Chum the Chum say, The Chacham, on the other hand, say that when you sell a shul, you could sell it forever. In other words, the Chacham do not require any type of Tonight over here. They do not require any type of condition. The only thing they add in over here is that when selling a shul, one cannot sell a shul to be used for the following four things. lemerchot to be turned into a bathhouse. Bursiki, a tannery. tvi'la a mikvah. a bathroom. So the chachamim is quicker in here hold that you need not attach a stipulation to the sale of the shul. However, you must be careful that a shul not be sold for what would be considered to be a disparaging purpose. So again, a bathhouse, a tannery, a mikvah, a bathroom. Rabbi Yehuda on the other hand disagrees, and he says, well, he doesn't disagree, but what he says is as follows: He says in general, you could sell a shul what he calls l'shem chaser. Now, l'shem chaser just means that you sell it stam. It literally means you sell it for use as a courtyard. But what it really means in this context is you just sell it. You sell it, in other words, I have no obligation to know what the structure is going to be used for, or what the intended what, what the intentions of the purchaser are. Rabbi Huda says he just sell it as a courtyard, and ultimately, again, whatever the purchaser wants to do with it, he may do with it. The Bartunura comments, and the Bartunura says, we do not pass like Rabbi Huda. and therefore, again, when selling a shul, one would have to attach these stipulations that the shul will not be repurposed for any type of disparaging use. Beautiful. That is Mishnah base. We continue now with Mishnah Gimel. Mishnah Gimel says as follows, Rabbi Yehuda Yehuda said as follows, Now, Kharov literally means became destroyed. But the truth is, the Baratunur explains that what it really means is it just kind of falls into disuse and as a result of the neglect, It just becomes run down. In other words, it doesn't have to be that it was actively destroyed. It just means that it's no longer being utilized as a shul. Rabbi Huda says, even so, in Masbidin B'Soukho, Halacha, we cannot eulogize regular people inside of it. So the halacha is that we do not use a shul as a place for eulogies except for a Talmud Chacham. So you might have thought that when the shul falls into disrepair, as a result of not being used, that you could use it kind of as a funeral hall, Rabbi Huda says you can't. You can't. It still retains its sanctity even though it's not being used. Similarly again, you cannot go ahead and Twist ropes. So again, this is if you want to make ropes, you take individual threads, you twist them together. So the idea over here is you can't make ropes in there. And again, the, 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 you can't go ahead and spread traps into it. You can't spread fruit to dry out on the roof. And you cannot make it into a shortcut. So the idea over here is that even though you have a shun, has fallen into fundamental disuse. And again, may even be in an active state of disrepair. Halakha it still has the sanctity of a shul. Therefore, you can't eulogize inside of it, you can't make ropes, you can't spread out nets, you can't spread out fruit to dry inside of it, and you can't utilize it as a shortcut. Why is that shen'emar v'hashimosi as mik Because the Pasik says, Quoting over here in 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 VaYikra, the of Hashemovsiy's that I will I will make your Miktosh, I'll make your sanctuaries desolate. And the Mishnah learns out from here, "Kibdu Kishim Excuse me. Did you see from here that when it's even when it's Hashemovsi, even when the Shul, is in a state of desolation. It still retains its identity as a mikdash. A very profound idea. Olbo Yet, interestingly enough, the Mishnah says if grass began to grow inside of the shul, lo yitlosh. You should not go ahead and uproot the grass. Why? Midne admas nevesh. The Baraita explains what midne admas nevesh literally means because it causes anguish. It causes pain. And the Baraita explains shiliskuru binyano. It's actually very interesting. So the idea is, the idea is, says the Martinura, that that the growing of the grass in the shoal is a source of incredible pain. We want the people, we want the community to feel that pain because hopefully that pain will motivate them to do something to restore the shul, whether it's buy it back, whether it's raise the funds for restoration, whether it's ask someone else for help. So, allowing the grass to grow creates a sense of agmas nefesh, and that agmas nefesh hopefully is what fuels or what pushes the community members to take action. All right, we will stop over here today. Meritash and will continue Mishnahihis Dalit and Hay, wishing everyone a wonderful day.